Hello, hola, pae shapa. In today's episode, we will go on a journey, a water journey of infinite possibilities. If you recently follow our show, thank you for being here with us. We truly appreciate the company. And by sharing this episode with a friend, you help us spread our message. And by giving us a positive rating, you encourage us to continue. If you are new here, I want you to welcome to Indigenous Earth, a community podcast where we talk to Indigenous conservation heroes from all over the world and learn from them firsthand on how we also can protect our beautiful planet. I'm your host, Frank Oscar Weaver. Our guide will be Mark Chavez, founder of Native Like Water, who for the last two decades is rebuilding the connection of indigenous youth with our oceans. As Mark said in this episode, we are all made of water, and looking within, we can go beyond surviving to thrive. This is a very special episode with a lot of knowledge, and I think you are going to love it. Before we hear from our guests, I want you to take a big breath. Imagine yourself walking along at a beach at night. You see someone sitting near a campfire. You approach and see there's a seat just for you. It's a cool night and above the sky is clear and you can see thousands of stars. The waves calmly arrive in the shore. You warm your hands in the campfire as he starts telling you his story. I founded Native Like Water 20-something years ago as a youth service organization. So we serviced mostly youth, uh, Native American youth, Native Hawaiian youth, uh, indigenous youth from other part, other continents. We would host them um, in different programs. So we, we have programs that include travel. So it's looking... It's looking at everything through an indigenous lens, and there's so much education that comes with that. So that's that's kind of how it began. And um, now in what Native Like Water is, is youth programs and adult programs. So the adult programs are open to the public, and they get to experience what we're well known for. And that's, um, I guess you could say, outside education, or I like to call it... Indigenous education, um, aka Earth education. So it's it's you know it's Earth it's Earth knowledge. It's nature's law. There's nothing new that we come up with. It's just what happens when we follow or aim to indigenize education. You know, aim, aim to indigenize our educational experience. And so for that was what we're known for and. Um, native like water is, is that, is that reflection is that recognizing that we are water. We are a body of water. Um, we resemble the earth and of course, earth is our mother, but if earth is our mother and we are water, then might as well call us for who we are. And so we're native like water, meaning water is the most original thing that there is. And it's almost like time immemorial. And that's very similar to us in a way when we think about our existence as indigenous people, it's like since the, in California, for example, since the times of the mammoths, you know what I mean? It's like, and before that, 
So we're talking like, you know, 10 to 20,000 years old in Southern California with some of the nation tribes that I service. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's ancient knowledge. When you think of knowledge and we think of traditional learning or westernized learning, not traditional learning, but westernized learning, you know, we're dealing with institutions that are like a hundred years old, maybe older, 200 years old, whatever. But these educational institutions, that's a flash in the pan when you start thinking about those institutions are on land where the people are still alive for the most part. And that they're connected to 10 to 20,000 years of knowledge for that specific spot. So just with that idea and thought or truth, it's, 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 it's only makes sense that, you know, uh, westernized education opens up um, room in its mind to allow like the, 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 you know, us as stewards really come forward in a different type of setting. Not that we go to board meetings or boardrooms within it, within four walls, but that we participate in things that we have traditionally uh, participated in for thousands of years. And that could be simple gatherings, that could be ceremony, but those things are very important because like you see the birds singing, uh, our gatherings um, are of that caliber where it's a higher level of communication that's been done for thousands of years on in these environments where, which are basically indigenous environments, I guess you could say, because everything you look around outside is you see nature, but nature in its most peak form is the indigenous untouched form. It's, it's, it's somewhere where the invasive species is not, has not overtaken the indigenous species. And when you are in places like that and you see the indigenous connection in the here and now, you really get a, if you all of us have been westernized educated so when we but when we stop to see this and we recognize this and we could share this with other people which i think is important because we have a lot of folks that want to be allies and we are a small community native american community is small based on their on the history historical uh elimination but our community is small, but we have a lot of allies, but it's like, how do we hold space and have an open uh, door policy for folks in a way that need to understand things at a deeper level? And it's not even me teaching or one specific teacher. It's a group of us that we kind of team collaborative teach, but we're just students. Even us as teachers or students, the earth, we just observe. We're here to observe. And if you observe long enough, you pick up stuff and you start to practice, you can start changing the spiral back to, to that indigenous way of knowing. Um, and basically, we become the indigenized education. Because remember, it's always a verb. There is no nouns in indigenous language. There's no like just still stuff. It's always in movement, action. So it's our practice of being in its indigenous form, its natural state of being, 
that we now see things that we haven't seen because for a while because we haven't seen it in education throughout our lives. We haven't seen it on television. We haven't, we don't see it sometimes within colonized spaces. So, you know, what it's really a privilege and an honor that when we meet and gather, you we're usually meeting and gathering with the, with a number of, of young people and nations um, with the adult programs too. We're, we're gathering with a, a, a good representation of various nations. And we're all gathering together around surf therapy, around traditional ways of knowing. And so it's like, it's, it blows you away really when you can get that much force in any kind of gathering. And then when you're in a natural space that allows for it or, or provides enough space, great things happen. And we become leaders in our own community, whether it be leaders in our family or leaders within our community in formal positions. But more importantly, especially for allies, is that we could do this in our own lives, in our own communities. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it starts with just recognition, but it, the second thing is, is the practice. So how are we all practicing it? And, and that's the question I think we all have to ask ourselves. And that's what Native Like Water is about, is, is if we can go and stand up for water rights and water protectors, and go and go to physical locations where they're polluting rivers and lakes. We can go there. We could support the you know policies to try to eradicate these places, or we can protest. And then, what happens if we want to really practice it? Because the protesting and the water protecting is one thing, but what happens when you? That's like surviving survival mode, right? Surviving. Survival mode is one thing. And then actually having time to practice and to thrive is another thing. So how do we get into the practice mode if we're over here? Because the protesting isn't the nature mode. The protesting is like fight the war mode. Somebody else's war mode. Somebody else's policy mode. But the other side of that is the actual time to thrive. And I know we can get away on the weekends or once a month. But I think what we're saying is we want to get to a practice state where we can have many of us there in its purest form. And when I say purest form, that's some pretty heavy words. But nature is like that. You know, whether if it was polluted is, an, is another thing. But nature is, came to us in its pure form, just like a baby when they're born. The fact that somebody stamped original sin on people and then their practice is to, to sin and to mess up and pollute the world. That's on them. But we are connected in a pure way to nature. And I think um, that's a big point when we want to think about how we move forward to, personally as our own selves or as allies. And as our own selves is probably the most important because, again, we can go and protest. We can go and fight policy. How is our body of water doing? And when I say our, I mean, how is our personal body of water doing? 
So like, I would ask you that question. How is your body of water doing? In the sense that it's easy for us to go and support causes outside of ourselves. And I realized that, you know, it's like the chain starts with self. So it's like native like water is to really see the water in yourself and see that reflection. And remember, water has memory. And water is also the best conduit. And water reflects light, even at nighttime. So we become a reflection of light. We become a reflection of ourselves. We become, we become a unified body of water, of a practicing people within a very trying time of crisis right now with the earth. Or with nature, let's just say. And nature, and we're not, nobody's sweating nature. Everybody's really just sweating themselves. Nature's going to move forward and go on. People are saying, like, it gets polluted and things are jacked up. Yeah, it's jacked up. But the most jacked up thing is, is the people's future. And so, anyway, bro, I, I, I thank you for letting me talk. But, you know, that's what, that's what we do. Well, that's awesome. I, I, I really appreciate uh, the insight. And, you know, Mark, I grew up in Paraguay, that is a landlocked country. I think I was probably like 14 the first time that I saw the ocean. And and it was a really, you know, the first time you go to the ocean, you, you would always remember because it's just, it's just something that you don't experience anywhere in the world, uh, being that surrounded by the body of water. And, and when you're out there, um, let's say, uh, with the youth and you're doing surf therapy and uh, what what is that energy feels like how 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 is that process like what what does it look like yeah you know that's that is the greatest thing and it's not just youth it's the adults you know we deal with people who are over 50 60 we have intergenerational programs where we have people of different ages and it's interesting because the ocean is kind of like the common it is the equalizer it equalizes everything to its equal or, or, or at least a humble equal at once. And no matter what it is your age you are or what maybe type of things you're going through in life, the ocean is going to touch you in one way or another, but all of it is super pure. And some of it, though, there could be fear based on trauma as well um, with the connection to the ocean or to the water. And then others... Even if there's trauma connected, I have yet to hear somebody that looking out to sea has not tickled them on the inner depths. So everybody has been touched by looking out to the sea. I don't think there's anybody that I don't like to look out to the sea. There's some people that a lot of people that say they don't want to go swim in the sea, but not look out. So everybody's in the same connectivity right there. That's the core. Once we get folks on the water, it's a personal experience. And like I said, there's going to be challenges for some, and others it's going to be right away. They're like fish and frogs, like me. And, and we're swimming like turtles with no time, without even having to be taught how to do certain strokes. Babies do that. I don't know if you've ever seen a baby born in the water or even a young kid be pushed in a pool that started just to swim on his own. So... We are the connection to the water is as ancient as we can get it. We're like looking at it face to face, and there's very few things you could do that with. I don't know any. Looking at an ancient face to face that's alive in the now, 
that's connected to just as many thousands of years as your people are connected to for thousands of years. You're like, and it's not about looking at age, but it is looking at, it's looking at wisdom. It's looking at thousands of years of being and existing and watching the dolphins surf, watching the penguins surf, watching the, the pelicans and the ducks surf, watching the, the, the garza surf, watching the turtles surf, watching the fish surf. So if we are one and like that and it's in its pure form, we're going to surf too. And a lot of people say like, you know, where did surfing start? Well, there's the physical human people surfing, you know, but then I'd be watching seals all the time, like surfing better than any of us. And like, it's like, even if we want to imitate them, because we saw that, which is a normal case, like right, I think for humans first seeing animals that are older than us, surfing and stuff, you, you, that's like the, that's for the gods. And that's why in Hawaii and Peru and these birthplaces of surfing, you know, it's directly connected to a way of being, to a lifestyle. It's connected to courtship and courtship leads to procreation. So surfing originally done in a social manner with the young ladies of Hawaii, the queens of Hawaii or the princesses of Hawaii in a courtship situation. Where, where men or young boys or young men are watching this from the shore or maybe even in the water, but from what we see in the pictographs and the oral history is it was the females out there showing how nature moves. And it's, for me, at its utmost. A lot of times we as humans or whatever, we forget we're animals, but man is an animal. So not to lower class us, but just to say like, we're connected to some stuff just like animals are. So if we're gonna be on these waves and riding this, but yet we're humans, this is like the most beautiful thing that exists on the earth. The nature, it's pureness, all the sea life and animals, and then us as the human species, dancing on wood planks, on waves that are coming from the South Seas, or anywhere for that matter, that's like, that's heavy. And the thing is, is that when you look at the Polynesians and, 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 and their stretch, you might know this, but they, they went the farthest, had the farthest like front yard and backyard than other indigenous groups. And in, in distance. So they were in South Pacific all about South America here, you know, you just, oh, you just, you know, everybody knows that they go south, Tahiti, and everybody goes to the, Cook Island, you know, all these islands down south, 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 Australia, New Zealand, you know, North America and South America is just, you know, it's the same, it's like we're at the same distance. So our stories, our oral history, which again is not talked about in books, not even honored for what it should be or is is our connection to Hawaii, our connection to the Polynesian people, our, our stories, our trade. And part of what we do is we take now, in, this, in the now, we, we take leadership from our teachers 
from the Hawaiian kingdom. They right now are, thank God, at the top of the teaching for water safety and ocean knowledge. By right, they should be. And the greatest thing is that they've structured it in a way where we all get to learn. And those who take advantage of this, take advantage of it. But it, it within it, it holds our connectivity to the stars and to the stuff we see on Earth, including us, which is what? Mostly water and carbon. So it's a reflection all the way around. And again, you got to get in these spaces. And one of the things, again, we follow the Hokulea voyage. If anybody has not known about the Hokulea, please look it up. Hokulea, it's what the, um, the Polynesian Voyaging Society is, the, is their website, polynesianhokulea.org. They, they completed a two-year worldwide voyage a couple years back, a few years back. Worldwide voyage on a traditional sailing canoe using only stars as navigation. Went around the world. And this, and you bring indigenous scientists and indigenous knowers and travel internationally and share knowledge and talk story. And I think we end up reconnecting as a people. And even if it just feels good, and to start, that's where we began after COVID. It was the restart. And the restart for our program was, we do a lot of stuff in our program, but we're now, if we can only do one thing after COVID, what would it be? I chose that, and that was surfing. And surf therapy is something that is now backed by data and research and being used internationally alongside licensed therapists or licensed therapists are the surfers themselves or they work in conjunction with a surf instructor or another surf therapist that teaches the surfing like what we do and we're able to go out with groups or individually and be able to apply something that doesn't inquire that doesn't involve drugs and that connects you back to your mother. The ocean is the mother, the female, the mother that connects us back with the mother. Even if we were disconnected, even if we were landlocked. See, the landlocked people are the most amazing people because I've been in ceremony and visits with landlocked people that were able to reach into their oral history and know that their people said, make sure you make it back to the sea. And so when landlocked people, I'm talking about people from, you know, we're in the West Coast of California a lot, and I'm talking about people coming from New Mexico, Arizona border, that their ancestors told them, make sure you make your way back to the ocean and go, give, go have ceremony there. 
that was so that we stay connected. And so when you get those types of calls or, 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 or orders or whatnot, and you go out to the coast in Southern California, let's say, because let's say Southern Arizona or whatever, they have to go to, they go to San Diego or LA. So when they get to the coast and they want to have these ceremonies, what spaces can they do this in? What spaces can we host folks in on the coast? Those are the types of things we think about. And so the calling for landlocked people is one thing. Our call out an invitation for us to gather in our youth programs or even our adult public programs is that opportunity for us to gather in a good way in full respect and full acknowledgement of where we are at and of each other and each other's ancestral knowledge that they step into the circle with. Or just urban knowledge is good too. You don't have to have it all traditional all the time. You could be urban knowing. Yeah. Let's say when you were born, you were a little kid and until now the the the, the growth that you had was there like a straight path that you had when you were a kid uh, to now? Like, was the water always pulling you? Or d did your story have twists and turns? And the reason I ask this is because there's a lot of uh, Native youth, they are trying to figure out that what they're going to do as a career, right? They're trying to figure out what they're going to do after school. And I'm just trying to see you as an example. Like, how was your story? Like, did you grew up already knowing that the sea was calling you in, in a teacher type facility or how did that came to be? Yeah, but I was just like you. Even though I lived in LA and California is considered coastal, we don't go to the ocean a lot. Um, fortunately, my mother worked a lot around LA and my dad would take us to the beach a couple times a year. So when we'd be driving to the beach, The first time looking out to the ocean was like you, bro. It was like the most incre incredible. I sometimes think about those times when I was a kid when I first saw it for the first time or remembered seeing it for the first time. And I like, and I like to try to invoke that because sometimes as a surfer, I'm out on the water all the time just looking out to the horizon all the time. That's all we do, look out to the horizon. And I, I sometimes think like, It becomes so natural, I forget how it felt when I first looked out there and saw the infinite, the infinite possibilities of just what real vastness means. Like, you can't, people don't really see vastness unless they're looking up at the sky and the stars or looking out to sea. I mean, you can see vast forests, I guess, if you're up above somewhere, but the sea is the sea. That's why they call it the sea, as far as you could see. So, I was a kid and I remember that just like you, bro. So like after seeing that and that calling probably just like you, and I wanna, that's what I was saying, probably just like everybody else. I think, I think everybody looks at the sea and has the same feeling. It's almost, like I said, it's an equalizer. I don't know if people look at that. They could see all kinds of stuff, but what's important is that their mind just gets thrown like a wall, their imagination, their vibes, something's opening up in their, in their skull and like, What do they call it? Stale sends the blossom. So, like, that's what I saw and that's what I yearned for and wanted for the most of my life because I didn't get to go there really as much. 
And because I was what I would call, we call ourselves landlocked. Like in LA, if you're like in east of East LA or Pomona, San Gabriel Valley, you're, you consider yourself landlocked. And that's where the area is where I live. And you could drive to the beach, takes you an hour, but like who has a car? And so even public transportation does not have a way to make it. So it becomes an unaccessible spot. And even if you make it and you're now on the coast or on the beach, you likely were in a very affluent neighborhood that became uncomfortable. And yet you have to bear through because, you know, I'm here to see the ocean. You know, we need guides. We need people who, especially we're dealing with the ocean. It ain't, a, it ain't Ocean is no joke. It looks calm and collective at sometimes. But sometimes people don't, for the most part, know how to even read it. So they don't even know what to look for. So they can get, the ocean ain't no, the ocean don't play. So it's very important to have guides and leads. And that's why we look to Hawaii as some of our, our blueprints for, for, for uh, water education. Yeah. And, and one thing that I saw interesting that your organization has done was to create a surfboard out of reeds. Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, the Tule Canoe. Yes. Can you tell me more about that? Well, yeah, the Tule Canoe is heading up, head, being headed up by the Kumeyaay Community College and Dr. Stan Rodriguez. So we're just students of his. And so when you see the Tule boats, because we've been rolling with Stan and we're trying to surf on them. And they're usually made just, they're usually been, used in the lakes and still waters. So, and, and marshes or, or, you know, salt water. But like for us to take them through the waves is like what we're trying to do. So we have been um, surfing with them. Yeah. And also thinking about how we could make them even better as surfing canoes, you know? And I guess that's kind of like whatever ever, every surfer ends up doing is surfing is one thing, but how... Can we surf and enjoy all the variations of what a wave and its connectivity to a board or even by yourself do, but to a board, especially, you know, shaping and surfboard building is like hand in hand with the sport itself, which you don't sometimes find that in like basketball or whatever. You don't have people wanting to know how the basketball was made and the court and the design. So within surfing, it's always about your craft So you're always like surfing different crafts or making a craft or thinking about a new craft and it all has different dimensions and different uses. And that's how like all of us for the most part are seeing the Thule canoes in a whole different light. Like we're used to just cruising on the, on the lakes with them, but like, we're just like, how can we make it better? So that's a, one of the things that we're aspiring to do. And, um, I, Kumeyaay Community College, you know, Stan Rodriguez teaches a great course out, a few courses out there and putting these tulies together and harvesting the tulies and teaching, you know, hundreds of people basically like, and so that's the lead in, and the, the revival of the culture. That's the lead in what I call the recreation, the recreation. I use the recreation with a hyphen between the re and the creation. That's and amazing. That's our, that's our point. Our point is to be, remember, in a natural state of being and align ourselves 
calibrate ourselves with nature's law. And nature's law just will dictate what you need to do. So if nature's law is saying you surf because everybody, all the other, <laughs> all the other indigenous creatures surf, so we surf. So, I love that. So it's a natural thing, and, and it's for everybody. And this is what's so beautiful about it, is that it accepts everybody. Her arms are open wide. So when you asked me that question early on, what is you know what happens when the youth go to the water or whatever, what takes place? What takes place is that their DNA has memory, so they're back on the water and they're smelling the sea or they just remember floating. Could be landlocked people too. I deal with coastal people who, who were removed and landlocked folks. All of us, we hang out. So the DNA has memory and that stuff brings back the way of being. And, and Mark, this is a phenomenal program that you have with Native Like Water, uh, you know, really changing lives. And as you say to yourself, uh, the infinite possibilities of the ocean. So let's say that people are interested, they want to participate, they want to maybe do some surf therapy, or they want to go to one of the retreats you have all over the world. Uh, where, where they should go to get more information and what should they expect? Well, they can go to our website, nativelikewater.org. Follow us on Instagram, nativelikewater. Our Instagram probably posts and is the most active. You can go to our website to see the most current programs and the registration buttons are there. So right now in November, we have a program coming at the end of the month. The registration is closed now, so it's not open, but we have a similar one um, in April. So that one is open now. Um, we have, so stuff that's open to the public, it'll be open in, the next one will be in April. We'll be in Hawaii in February, but with our surf crew and doing ambassador work um, within the indigenous community there on the west side of Oahu. And um, April will be our program Surf and Food as Medicine. Surf and Food as Medicine. We have a great program here in Mexico, in mainland Mexico, off the coast of Colima, uh, in the central part of Mexico on the Pacific. So we have a great grounds. We've been doing this, this retreat for like four years now, more, five years. And it's very special place. Um, it's a very special space to do everything that I spoke about the whole time on this podcast. Because you need at the end, you need the space. It's kind of crazy. Like you need the space. You need to have the space. And it can't be adulterated. Yes. And this open to to everyone, uh, or you kind of have to have a little bit of experience of as, as a surfer? No, it's open to everybody. Um, that's the nice thing about it. It's open to everybody at every different level. Um, we have different programs. So we have a surf team program, and then we have open to the public, just like anybody. That's what's happening in November this month, at the end of the month. That's the program that we're having. Um, it's just, you know, beginners. Um, we're going to go in deep on some, on some surf therapy facilitator training um, on this next program because, again, we're trying to flourish. You know, you thrive and you flourish. And the flourishing part of things, you know, we're, we have some of our folks that have been with us for some years that as, as a volunteer and have been trained in different ocean water disciplines. So that is something that we want to flourish and, and have more of our young adults 
um, get the know-how for so they can um, help facilitate and just be a guide, basically, in, in, the, in the ocean environment. That's great. And, you know, I've been organizing cleanups of the lakes and river of Central Florida for the last 10 years, going to different places to remove the litter, uh, mostly plastic, uh, mostly plastic. And I'm pretty sure that you've seen a lot of uh, plastic pollution on the oceans uh, where you are. Um, what do you think is going on with, with this crisis that we are having and having single-use water bottles and drinks? You know, I feel like sometimes we're not pausing to, to, to see the effect that our consumption is having in the world. What are you seeing out there on the, uh, on the ocean? And do you have any kind of word of advice for people uh, about plastic? You know, I think we see an abundance of litter of plastic and, and, with, and you know, what, the, what they call the third world countries more, sometimes more than anywhere because it's just, just so raw and out there. And the first thing that comes to my mind is always the same thing. It's like, I want to get mad at the people who used it and threw it. But then I want to think back farther and who are the people who made it? And who are the people allowing people to make it? That's cutting it off, snipping it at the bud. Like, so the fact that we have a lot of it, it's like crazy because we know the statistics. It can like literally the plastic can drown us. So it would be beneficial for us to really concentrate our efforts on like who is making this stuff and why isn't anybody being responsible? And that's, I think, always the question, like who is the responsible party in making so much of this? You bring such a good point on talking about it's not, we don't have to worry so much about the litter that goes into the ocean, but the litter that goes inside of our bodies. I think there's such an amazing holistic uh, approach to the work that you and everyone at Native Like Water is doing. That is such an amazing indigenous relationship to water, to history, to community, uh, infinite possibilities, as, as you have mentioned. And as we wrap up here, um, if you could have an advice that you give up to the youth, uh, to people that want to make a difference, like what would you tell them? Like the same thing we've been talking about is just, you've got to try to, you've got to try to align yourself with nature's law, like you yourself, like you say, okay, like it's, this is real. This is real. Like nature's law is real. And let's try to calibrate ourselves with that. I think, I think that's the big one because it's the practice. Like you can go run in your mouth. Look at me over here, running my mouth, the whole podcast. I'm talking to you. So I can, I'm talking to me. I'm like, I got to be my best cheerleader. because it's something that we're working on every day. So when the youth, I'm just, I'm looking for consistent, when the youth are looking for consistency and, and discipline in the thing that they love, period. The thing that they love, not to go discipline themselves on something they don't love, Discipline on something they do what you love and be and consistent with it. And that's what I'm looking for right now. And that's what I would say youth to uh, aspire to be, is be consistent because that's my uh, still my biggest challenge and a lot of our biggest challenge. We don't know what's on the other side of consistency. You do because that's why you have this podcast or because you've been doing it consistently. Yes, that's, that's really a good advice. 
And anything else that you'd like to add um, before we finish here? No, that's it. Just follow us on Native Like Water on uh, .org or on our Instagram, Native Like Water. Follow us and check our cool stuff. We have a lot of cool content. We're like, since we're all over the place, we do dope stuff. So there's some stuff we capture on on film. Some we don't, but a lot of we, a lot of stuff we don't capture on film. So it's kind of cool because in the in the uh, last thing I would say is in the world now of of stunting of everything like being staged for content, you know, we come from the old school of like really doing the do from the get. And so like, we never had to stage anything. We were going hardcore. We always go hardcore. And, and so now that we got Instagram age, you know, it feels nice that we don't got to um, stage stuff like a lot of content out there does. So it's really cool that we could be in the now doing what we've always done and just sharing it with our followers because it's an educational page. It's like, we're all here. So even if we're having fun, you're supposed to like, the best way to learn is like laughing or having fun. So that's like the key. Uh, you know, I keep dropping this education word, but it's really like have fun and then learn. So anyway, bro, I appreciate you having me. Shout you, shout you out. Thank you for shouting us out and connecting with Native Like Water. Um, you know, we, we want to do stuff together. You you can definitely have a retreat down here with us. We, we, this is, a, we co-host stuff. Because again, that's part of the sharing, and some people have their own body, their own bodies of, of of reasoning, like 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 you do, or other organizations. And we really make it a point that we could share in in, in good good meetings and good words, and in, and in ceremony. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Mark. I really appreciate it. I learned so much uh, from talking to you. I really like the uh, knowledge that you drop on the podcast. And uh, please, everyone, you're listening to this, support Native Like Water. I'm going to put the uh, website and the Instagram on the descriptions. Go there, follow them, like their photos, support, because this is a great organization that is changing lives with the uh, power of the inner knowledge of water. So thank you again, Mark, and I look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, thank you, bro. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Blessings, blessings. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you being here. On the show descriptions, I would have ways to connect with Native Lake Water and visit indigenousearth.org for more information. Thank you. I good day.